Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. There was a story that was told about a particular small town. This town has had a very, very rough season, historically very dry. And then there was a local businessman in that area, and that local businessman thought about it. I said, okay, how do we bring life into this city? Okay, what we can do is to start a tavern, a beer parlor, or something, like a, like a nightclub. As soon as he came up with that idea that he wanted to begin to spice up the city, members of the Christian community were not too happy. So they called the prayer vigil, and they said they were going to pray that God should intervene. And they called a night vigil, and they were praying, and they were praying. By the time they were done praying, I've not fought not too long ago, not too long after they've done praying, there was a heavy downpour, rain that came upon that city. And there was a serious lightning that took place. And that lightning as it struck, it struck that particular tavern. And the tavern was burnt down. That particular nightclub was burnt down. Now, the owner of that particular bar, that bar, that businessman, got very, very angry. And then he sued the company, he sued the church. <laughs> When he sued the church, he said well, the church was responsible for the burning down of his own, of his, uh, of his, uh, of his, uh, of his nightclub. The church said no. So they hired, the church went and hired a, 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 an attorney. And when they were arguing in court, the attorney said, no, we are not responsible for anything. The man said, the businessman said, you were responsible. They said, you are not responsible. So they kept going back and forth, back and forth. So the judge eventually now said, you know, the presiding judge, after his initial review of the case, stated that no matter how this case comes out, one thing is clear. The tavern owner <laughs> believes in prayer and the Christians do not. <laughs> because the, the businessman believes is what they were the one that did it, and this guy does not believe. So he said, no matter how this thing shakes out, the Christians don't believe, the tavern owner believes. Now, it's a light-hearted story just to be able to illustrate a particular point. And that's to- the point we're trying to illustrate this morning is this. The people who are outside the church sometimes are more convinced of the power of prayer than those of us who are inside. Many of us see the power and the efficacy of prayer, and those of us who are within the church, for some reason, do not really see the power. Maybe because we are, we are, we are, we are, we are too familiar with the process. In the book of Luke, in the book of Luke, chapter one, chapter eleven. We observed, after observing our Lord Jesus Christ, you know, pray, his disciples came to him in, the, in, the, in our text this morning. His disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just like John taught his disciples. Now, let's start reading from verse number 1 of chapter of Luke 11. He said, it came to pass that he was, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John, had, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, when ye pray, say, 
our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us by day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, from this verse of the scripture, many of us who have spent maybe an hour or two in Sunday school will probably have heard this prayer before. It's referred to as the Lord's Prayer. Okay? And this is a model prayer that was given to the disciples upon request. Probably they saw Jesus and the way he was praying. They saw the efficacy of his prayer. They saw the power that he drew when he prayed. They saw the influence of his prayer. They saw the impact of his prayer upon the lives of the people that came in contact with him. And they said, we need to tap into this power. We need to be able to have access to be able to see how this man prays and things change. And then he said, Lord, teach us to pray. So this model prayer was given to the disciple in response to a request. It was given as a guide to prayer. This prayer, in this prayer we see the prerequisites and the preconditions for what? For prayer. In other words, when you go to the altar of prayer, there are certain things that have to be in place before you can begin to pray. And this is what you know, the Lord Jesus Christ encapsulated in that verse of the scripture. Now, while the reality of this topic is very overwhelming, because anytime we talk about prayer, people are a little bit uncomfortable. Okay? Uncomfortable. The fact is that for majority of believers, prayer is a theoretical thing. Very theoretical. When we say we should pray, we can have a conversation with somebody for a whole day. But when it comes to pray, by the time you speak about two, three minutes, you're, you run out of gas. So it's a theoretical topic for a lot of people. Sometimes, you know, we, sometimes, something we claim to believe. But many of us have very, very little experience when it comes to the issue of prayer. We nod our heads when we talk about the issue of prayer. We say, yes, we agree with prayer. We do, we like to pray. But, the, the, but many of us do not really do the prayer the way we ought to do it. And if you ask most Christians, you ask them, how is your prayer life? They, they will always be the first person to, to acknowledge that, yes, I need to pray more. Okay? This is something everybody agrees. We need to pray more. We need to pray more. But we don't pray. You know, we can preach about praying. That's no problem. We can talk about praying. There's no problem. We can teach about praying. No problem. We can even read books about praying. But the interesting thing is about to actually do the prayer. It becomes very difficult. Okay? And I always say to people, the only way you pray, is, the only way you know how to pray is by praying. The only way you learn how to pray is by praying. You cannot do it any other way. And that is why for those of us who are here last time, who are here yesterday, one of the but one of the ways in which we are trying to help people to pray is to do what? Is to give them a guide. Something that you will read and it will juggle your memory, help you to be able to say, okay, here is a statement. Let me see if I can add more to it. So you will so the, the, the real issue here is that people have difficulty praying. We all claim to know the need and the place for prayer, but you know, in a believer's life. But most of us Christians we acknowledge that we don't pray as much as we really want to. However, many of us will be quick to admit it. As much as we admit it, what are we doing about it? That's the question. What are we doing about it? We all wish we could pray more, like I said. We all wish we could have you know see better results when we pray. We all wish we can experience the power of prayer more and more in our life. The problem with many believers when it comes to prayer is threefold. The first one is this. There is a lack of desire to pray. Okay? And one thing I tell you, I want to let you know is this. If you wait until you feel like praying, you will never pray. If you wait until you feel like praying, you will never pray. Because you will never feel like praying. Okay? 
you will never feel like praying. So that's the first problem that most Christians have. The lack of desire to pray. The second problem is the content of prayer. What do I say when I get there? What do I say when I get on my knees? Okay, I get on my knees and I pray. I say, Father, help me, help me. After which, what else? You are done. In two minutes, you are done with what you want to say. So, limited knowledge. And I, and I, and I, want, you, I want you to understand one thing. The more limited, the, 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 the less you know about the word of God, the less content you will have when you are about to pray. In other words, if you don't know the word of God, you will not be able to pray. Because one of the easiest ways to pray is to repeat God's word back unto him. Okay, You said you are going to do this. They do it for me. You said you will not allow this to happen in my life. They don't allow it to happen. You said you are going to open the door for me. Then open the door. It's basically repeating God's word back unto him. So the less you have, the less word, the less of the word of God that you know, the less you have in content in terms of conversation with the Almighty God. And then number three issue that most Christians have, apart from the issue of the lack of desire, the lack of uh, the shortness of the content of prayer. The third issue is the frequency of prayer. How long and how often should I pray? Okay? How long and how often should I pray? That is one of the biggest issues. Most people will ask themselves, do I pray every day? Do I pray two hours? Do I pray three hours? And you know, when, when we call a prayer like the one we did yesterday, and we say, come and do three hours of prayer, the first thing that we go through your mind is, what am I going to be saying for three hours? <laughs> what am I going to be saying for three hours? So how long and how often should I pray is a function of the presence of the Holy Ghost. You cannot pray if you don't have the Spirit of the Almighty God resident in you. You will find out that if you go, by the time you knock out 30 minutes, you are done. And then you begin to repeat the same thing and you get tired of talking. And then you just say, this is a waste of my time. Let's go and do something better with our time. So those are the three major issues. The first issue is that of desire. Second one is that of content. The third one is that of frequency. Okay. While all these issues are important, they are real questions that we need to deal with in our life. However, how we... The question that really that is most important for the believer is this. Have you experienced the power of prayer in any department of your life? That is the main question. Have you experienced that particular power? And if so, how effective is your prayer life? Because it's not a question of the how long. It's not a question of what you say. It's not a question of whether you desire it. The question is, have you experienced the power of prayer in your life? Have somebody prayed for you and you see the result in your life? Because when you do, when you see that, when you have experienced the power of prayer, when you have seen the effectiveness of prayer, when you have seen the efficacy of prayer, what you find is that it has a way of drawing you into prayer. Because you have seen it happen. You've seen the results. You've, you've seen the impact of that particular prayer in your life. Then it changes your view and your mindset and your desire to pray. So how effective is our prayer is a real issue. Have we experienced the power of prayer? Like I said, to answer this question, you must let's start from the very beginning. Because unless you have a good understanding of what prayer is and what prayer is not, then you probably will not even understand what you are doing when you are praying. So let's start from the very basics. What is prayer? Prayer is talking to God. It's basically having a conversation with somebody. How do you have a conversation? How do you have a meaningful conversation with somebody? You have a meaningful conversation with somebody where you develop a relationship. If you don't know someone, let's assume I stand in front of the church out there and I see somebody walking down the road and I just approach that person and I start talking. Okay? Unless I'm selling something or I'm about to cajole that person. If I just want to have a friendly conversation with somebody I don't know, it will be very difficult because there's nothing to talk about. There's no point of intercession. There's no point of agreement between the two of us because we don't know each other. If you want to have an effective prayer life, the first thing 
is to know to understand that prayer is talking to God. And you cannot talk to somebody you don't know. Prayer is the longing of the soul. It's the daily admission of one's weakness and insufficiency. If I'm going out with a good friend and I meet my good friend and I tell him I'm having this particular challenge. I'm having this particular difficulty. I need this particular help. I need to, it's a kind of a longing of the soul. An exposure. A making the, you are making yourself vulnerable before somebody that you love. If you're somebody that you have a relationship with. It's a daily admission of your weakness. A daily admission of your insufficiency. A daily admission of the fact that yes, you are not able to handle the whole thing on your own. When you have that particular mindset, when you know that you are not all sufficient, when you know that you cannot do it on your own, when you know that you are limited in the way you do things, what happens is that it turns everything around for you. Yeah. Turns everything around for you. So prayer is the longing of the soul. It's a daily admission of one's weakness and insufficiency. Prayer is not asking. This is now Mother Teresa's definition of prayer. She said, prayer is not just asking. Because most of us believe that prayer is God, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. You know, there's no problem in asking for God to bless you, but that's not the essence of prayer. If I have a friend, and, I, and the only thing I do with my friend is just say, give me this, give me that, give me this, give me that. At one point in time, as soon as I show up, he knows that they, my, my, uh, this uh, pastor is always asking for give me, give me here. You know, and then they begin to avoid you. I'm not saying God will avoid you. I'm only saying that when you, when prayer is not all about asking, okay? Prayer is putting oneself in the hands of God. At his disposition and listening to his voice in the depth of your heart. In other words, there is a two-way communication. You are putting your hands in the hands of God. You are opening yourself unto him and you are listening for his voice. Hearing what he has to say to you. That is to say, prayer. that is what prayer is all about. A communication with God. Aimed at knowing the mind of God concerning a particular issue. Okay? You have a relationship with somebody. Why do you talk to that person? You talk to that person because you want to find out how they feel about a particular situation. How they feel about a particular idea. How they feel about a particular action that you have taken. It's a relationship. A relationship that is bound, you know, based on communication so that you can find out the mind of God concerning a particular situation. So prayer is communication with God aimed at knowing the mind of God concerning an issue. Now, we have all at one time heard about the definition of prayer. Okay? Many of us have heard of this thing. What I'm saying right now is not new to some of us here. Okay? But very, very few times do you hear what is the purpose of prayer? Okay? What is the purpose of prayer? I mean, I'm asking these questions because the, the, the reason I'm asking the question is this. In the mind of many of us, the question that goes is that, doesn't God know what I'm asking? Doesn't God know what I need? He's supposed to be all-powerful. He's supposed to be all-knowing. He's supposed to know everything. The end from the very beginning. Why do I have to tell him I need something? He sees me. I mean, it doesn't make sense. You are looking at me, I don't have a shoe, and you want me to tell you that, Father, I need a shoe. Come on, you know I don't have a shoe. Give me one. I mean, why, why do I have to ask you? Why should we have to pray when God already knows everything, controls everything, predetermine everything? Why do we have to pray? That is the question. Because unless you have that understanding of the reason for prayer, unless you understand the need for prayer, unless you understand why you have to talk to God about certain things, what you will find is that you will not be able to pray. For those of us who are married, you will understand that if you are living with your spouse and you assume that your spouse is a psychic so that he can read your mind, when you are happy and when you are not happy, you guys are going to have a lot of problems. Because you won't say anything and you think, I thought you should know. And the man saying, I'm not a psychic. I don't know. You have to tell me. <laughs> you understand? So that is the whole idea. Though God knows everything, you still have to speak up. The question is, what, 
The question that is kept a lot of people from prayer altar. Why pray when God knows what I need? And to start to begin to answer this question, I want you to look at the book of Proverbs chapter 19. Proverbs 19, reading from verse number 21, the Bible tells us there, there are many devices in the heart of men. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord will stand. Many things are going on in your mind. Many things that you need. Many things that you want. Many things you want to happen. You want happening in your life. Many things you want to accomplish. The Bible says there are many devices in the heart of a man. Only the counsel of the Almighty God will stand. That is why we must pray. Because you need to understand the counsel of God that must stand. I used to say this jokingly that God will not bless what He has not asked you to do. Okay? When God has not told you to do something, if you do it, you are your own. Okay? The same thing, unless you understand the counsel of God, you will not be able to know the direction to go. And that is one of the reasons why we pray. In Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 1, reading from verse number 26, the Bible tells us something there. And the Lord God said, let us make man in our image, like after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the, uh, uh, all, uh, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And so God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them, and God blessed them, and said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over everything that move upon the earth. Now, from this verse of the scripture, many of us have heard it a thousand times. What you find is that man was created not only to have a relationship with God, but to share God's authority. Okay, man was created to have both relationship and authority. He was created to have a relationship with God and to share God's authority upon the earth. In Psalm number 8, reading from verse number 4, the Bible says, What is man that thou art mindful of him? The son of man that thou hast visited him. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. And thou hast thou had made him to have dominion over the work of thy hands. And thou hast put all things under his foot. That is establishing the authority that God has given unto man man that we as the representative of God on earth have control over this particular earth if you read Psalm 115 reading from verse number 16 the Bible tells us there ye are blessed of the Lord which made heavens and earth the heaven even the heavens are the Lord's but the earth had he given to the children of man in other words, the heaven is the domain of the Almighty God. He controls that area. But here on earth where we are, He has given us that particular control. So God has made us, created us, not just to have relationship, but to share in the authority of God over this particular earth. And that particular authority was in place until the Bible tells us in the book of Genesis chapter 3, chapter 3 verse number 8, where man fell. When that man fell, the relationship that man had with God on a regular basis, because if you read that something, Genesis chapter 3, the Bible tells us said that God will walk in the cool of the day. He will probably be taking a stroll. Then he'll be talking to Adam. Adam, where are you? And Adam will be chit-chatting, talking about football, who's won the game, and all those kind of things. But the idea, <laughs> but the idea is that God was having fellowship with man. God was enjoying each other from that particular relationship with man until sin came. And when sin came, that particular fellowship fell apart. That communication fell apart. It doesn't mean that Adam does not will not talk to God anymore but the communion, the ease of communion became very difficult and to restore fellowship God who is a spirit must communicate with man there is no way you will have fellowship with somebody if you don't talk to that person if you have no relationship, if you have no communication with that person, fellowship will be very difficult. And for God to restore that fellowship with man, God had to communicate with man and for communication to happen prayer must be in between 
Because God is a spirit. And we are physical beings. But sorry, we are tripartite beings. We are body, soul, and spirit. The only way you communicate with God is you communicate with God through your spirit. Okay? And for God to be able to have that fellowship and that relationship with man that used to be, it has to communicate, and that communication takes place through prayer. Okay? Prayer is therefore necessary for two reasons. Number one reason is to express man's unity and relationship of love with God. That is one of the first reasons why we pray. You pray to express your unity and your relationship of love with God. And that is why anytime we come together and we pray, say, let's bless the name of the Lord. Let us thank Him for what He has done. Let's appreciate Him for who He is. Let's thank Him because He's the Lord God Almighty. What you are doing is that you are affirming that relationship. You are saying that this relationship, I value it. I respect it. And that is the only reason because anytime, every now and then you have to be able to tell your wife how much you love her. Right? You have to be able to tell your husband how much you love her. You have to be able to tell your friend how you appreciate that relationship relationship. If you don't do that, if all you do whenever you come to your friend is to be able to take and take and take, that relationship is not going to be strong. And that is why when we pray, the very first reason for prayer is to express man's unity and relationship of love with God. The second reason why we pray, prayer is necessary because it expresses man's affirmation and participation in God's purpose on earth. In other words, I want the, the, the Jesus Christ when he was teaching, he said, "Thy will be done on earth as it is done in heaven." Okay, the fact that we have a relationship with God, the fact that we have a fellowship with God, we are also given the responsibility of being the authority here on earth. If you want to be the authority here on earth, you have to fulfill the agenda of God because He's the Creator of all things. You are just a steward. He has given you the right to be able to use His property. You must understand what He wants to do with His property for you to use it correctly. So, the reason why we pray, number two, is to express our affirmation and participation in God's purpose on earth. That is what God wants to accomplish. In every domain where we find ourselves, God wants to accomplish something. In the lives of people that we come in contact with, God wants to accomplish something. In our place of work, God wants to accomplish something. In everywhere we go, God wants always have something that he wants to do in those lives. Unless you are in tune with God, and you understand what he is doing, you might be walking contrary to his purpose at that particular point in time. And that is one of the reasons why we pray. In other words, the purpose of prayer, therefore, is to commune with God in unity and uh, commune with God in a unity of love and purpose, and it is an agreeing with God to bring about His will on earth. In other words, the purpose of prayer is essentially for the will of God to be done on earth through faithful relationships. That's all. That's the only reason why you pray. You want to have a relationship with God. So that you can fulfill his purpose here on earth. And the key to effective prayer is to understand the purpose of God. The key to effective prayer is to understand the purpose of God. Because there is no point in you doing something that is completely opposed to the will of God. I mean, for those of us, if you remember when we were growing up and our parents give us assignment to do. And you are carrying that assignment out faithfully. If your parent came back and asked you, who asked you to do this? Okay? You'll find out that no matter how well you have done that thing, no matter how passionate you were when you were doing that thing, no matter how much energy you have invested in doing that thing, if it is not what you are asked to do, you have succeeded in wasting your time. Because you will not be fully appreciated. 
Right now, in order not to bruise your ego, you might say, well, that's nice, that's nice, that's nice. But there will always be a but. There will be a caveat to say, but you should have asked me first. But you should have done this first. The point I'm praying, the trying to pray, the point I'm trying to make is that if you are going to pray effectively, you must understand the purpose of God. The purpose of the purpose of prayer is essentially for the will of God to be done here or not. But like I said, you cannot enlist the power of God. You cannot see the power of God until you understand the things that Jesus Christ taught in that particular book of Luke chapter 11, reading from verse number 1. Let's go back to that verse of the scripture again. Luke 11, reading from verse number 1. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said unto them, when ye pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so on earth. Give us, give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, before we can begin to enlist the power of heaven, before we can begin to tap into the power of prayer, you need to understand some basic factor that Jesus Christ alluded to in this verse in, the, in these verses that we have just read. The first thing that you must understand is the relationship factor. For you to pray effectively, for prayers to become effective, for you to begin to see the power of prayer, you must understand the relationship factor that is in there when you are praying. And that's why Jesus Christ said, Our Father. You cannot call somebody Father when you have no relationship with that person. If that person is an elderly person that you respect, you can just call him gentleman, or you can use sir, or you can use, but you cannot call him my Father. Because there's no relationship there. For you to be able to pray effectively, the first thing that must happen is there has to be a relationship that you have developed with the Almighty God. And that relationship only comes by what? Through faith in the finished work of our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. A person who is not born again will not be able to enjoy what is the fellowship of prayer. And that's why the Bible says that the prayer of a sinner is an abomination in the eyes of the Almighty God. In other words, the Lord Almighty is angry with the sinner every day. So, if you are going to pray and pray effectively, First thing, you must understand. The first factor you must understand is the relationship factor. Number two is the eternity factor. When you are praying, the Bible says, Our Father which art in heaven, which means you are not talking to just a temporal person. You are talking to a person, you are talking to an entity that has existed from eternity unto eternity. You are talking about the Father, you are talking of somebody who has, you know, who, who, whose, uh, whose presence filled the whole universe. You are talking about somebody who has, uh, you know, who has, who has inscribed you on the palm of his hand. The person who, who, who spoke the universe into existence. You are talking about the eternity factor. If you don't understand that, what will happen is that you begin to limit that God. You begin to see that God like you see yourself. You begin to see that he's not as powerful as you think. Or you begin to see that as a wicked person if you have known a wicked father. Or you see an abusive person if you, have, if you have had an encounter with an abusive father. What we are saying right now is that number one, you must have an understanding of the relationship. And you must understand how deep that relationship is. It has been from eternity unto eternity and it will continue to be. And if you you continue to be So understand the first part The relationship factor Number two The eternity factor Number three Is the reverence factor You cannot come to him Disrespecting him Okay You don't just walk onto him And say yeah daddy you might try to be informal because we live in a society where people call themselves by their first name but if you want to come into the presence of the almighty God there has to be some decorum 
some deference. You have to respect the presence of the Lord. You have to respect the name of the Almighty God. You have to respect the person of the Lord God Almighty. The Bible tells us something that is very, very interesting. And that is what you find when David was about to make a, was about to make a, a sacrifice unto the Almighty God. The Bible makes us understand that here was a man who was supposed to be not even getting close to the Ark of the Covenant. But he saw the Ark of the Covenant being put upon the cart, which was first of all a violation of the, of the order. The order was that nobody touches the Ark of the Covenant, only the priest was supposed to carry it, not put upon a new Ark. But they violated that particular order. Now that Ark, well, that, that, uh, that uh, donkey was carrying that thing and was going and going, and it did bump. And this man stretched forth his hands. He wanted to do something good, but he violated the order and the protocol of heaven. And the Lord God Almighty struck him down. The point I'm trying to make is that if you are going into the presence of the Almighty God, if you want the Father of Heaven to be able to reach down and touch your situation, you want to get an audience with the King, you don't go in there talking anyhow. Okay? Right now, I know a lot of political turmoil is going on in our society right now. People don't even respect the president that we have right now. But that doesn't give you the right to walk into the White House and start talking rubbish. You can't do it. Because it's not allowed. That's not the protocol. No matter what you feel about the president, you can't just walk in there and start talking rubbish. The same thing if you want to enjoy the power of heaven. You want to enjoy the attention of heaven. There has to be the reverend factor. Jesus said, hallowed be thy name. In other words, I respect that name. I'm not going to take it in vain. And that's why it's even codified in the law. Say, do not take the name of the Lord God Almighty in vain. So, number one is the relationship factor. Number two is the eternity factor. Number three is the reverence factor. Number four is the submission factor. If you are going to be able to see God work for you on your behalf, and if you see the power of prayer, before you come to the altar of prayer, you must be willing to submit to His will. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.